0: Well, we're going to teach a little bit tonight. We'll see how far we get, all right? You know, this is our uh, 41st time of prayer this year, amen. And uh, what a great opportunity it's been, I think, for all of us, don't you think? If you enjoyed it, if you enjoyed coming and praying and seeking God's face, I think it's important that we all do that. And uh, tonight, uh, we're in module four, which is the last module of this year. We're looking at the overall theme of the module is the future. And this is block two in module four, and we're talking about dreams and visions, dreams and visions. Uh, this is not so spooky as you would think, but nonetheless, it is powerful, amen? And uh, somehow or other, I'll figure out this chair, I don't know. Pastor Ron's got it down to a science, I don't know how he does it, sometimes, I, anyway, we'll work it out, and if I fall over, hey, praise the Lord, it'll be all right, I just need to be humbled, I guess, Okay. Dreams and visions, all right. You ready? Dr. Paul Yongi Cho, who's the pastor of Yoido Full Gospel Church, which is in Seoul, uh, Korea, uh, which by the way holds the distinction of being the largest Christian church in in all of church history, uh, thus far, at least at uh in in you know recent years, it's boasted a membership of nearly a million people just in one church. And uh, One of his uh, great statements that uh, you hear him say from time to time, and I heard him say it a number of years ago, dreams and visions are the language of the Spirit. There's one way that God communicates to us is through the language of dreams and visions. In his uh, 70s, Dr. Cho Cho has set new goals for his church, which included a decade committed to the establishment of 5,000 satellite churches and 500 houses of prayer. And he's an example of what God can do with the future through uh, those who believe in dreams and visions they see, which others cannot yet see. Amen. So never despise the day of small beginnings. I remember uh, his great testimony, how uh, he was very poor and had no money, and he was depressed and and was sitting down one day and... Uh, God began to speak to him, I think, through his mother-in-law. Yes, God can speak to you through your mother-in-law. And uh, if I have the story right, if I recall it correctly, uh, God began to speak to him, and, and the Lord just encouraged him. He began to fast and pray, and God began to move by the Spirit. And soon they were up in the thousands, and then to 25,000, and then to over 50,000 members. And uh, now... Um, Nearly a million people that are identified with his church, and he had dreams and visions. He had, uh, he felt like the Lord was giving him these these pictures and dreams and and visions in his heart, and so he built on that. Amen. Chose to believe that that was the word of the Lord, as opposed to all the naysayers that come about from time to time. Well, in the Bible, Joseph, the son of Jacob, was also a man of dreams and visions. Recently, my wife and I were up in. Um, Branson, Missouri, and we took in the the great theater production of The Life of Joseph. What a tremendous um, musical that they put on, very, very high quality. Um, That particular theater group is called uh, Christian Broadway, and uh, if any of you have not had a chance to see it at any of their two locations, I would recommend it um, highly. It's a phenomenal thing to see. And of course, they take some poetic license in the presentation of his story. But just to, to communicate the fact that here's Joseph as a young man, and he's 17 years old, and, and uh, he had a dream. Genesis 37, 5 says, now Joseph had a dream, and he told it to his brothers, and they hated him even more. Sometimes you got to watch who you share your dreams with, right? And uh, so he's the youngest uh, Dearly, uh, the youngest. I think you, there was a... Well, of course, he had one brother younger than him, but he's 17 years old, and he's near last in a long line of brothers. Joseph had no claim to the inheritance or the covenant of his father, and yet Joseph dreamed a dream that encouraged him to believe that one day he would lead his whole family. Well, at this time, that this seemed impossible, and yet the Holy Spirit bore witness to Joseph through a dream. When Joseph was 17 years old, he spoke about his dream, and later in his life, Joseph's dream spoke about him. That's a powerful statement right there, right, uh, I think, from our pastor. When Joseph was 17 years old, he spoke about his dream. Later on in his life, Joseph's dream spoke about him. May God grant that all of our dreams will speak of us, amen, and that they'll testify something great for God. I remember the wonderful uh, quote that we often hear about Joseph where he's encountering his brothers, and they're afraid of him, and and his brothers say to him, you know, they're basically saying, well, listen, we're not sure how you're going to treat us, and he reassures them. He says, listen, you guys meant it to me for evil, but God meant it to me for good. Amen. He was able to take and turn his perspective of life around even though he'd gone through, had been sold into slavery and then rose up in Potiphar's house and then falsely accused and sent to prison and forgotten in prison and then finally raised up as God raised him up at just the right time. And uh, he was able to understand the process of God. When he was young, uh, he he heard God and, and really felt like that's what God was saying to him, but nobody else believed him, you know. And then you would think uh, halfway through his journey that that uh, that it wasn't true, that God didn't have that in mind for him, and here he is stuck in prison. You never know uh, where the journey of God will take you sometimes. And I imagine Paul and Silas felt the same way whenever uh, Paul had been commissioned by God and was on the road preaching the gospel, and he and Silas endured a night in the, the jail in Philippi, and uh, that many times he was beaten for his faith. The Scripture tells us that God knows the end from the beginning. His way of communicating with us concerning the future is often done through dreams and visions. How many of you ever had a dream or a vision that you felt like was from the Lord? Let me see your hands. You don't have to have had one. It's really okay. But God does speak. Uh, And the prophet Joel spoke of a time when God would interact with his children by pouring his spirit out upon all flesh. Joel 2.28 says and it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your, young, your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. Well, this began to be fulfilled at Pentecost. Of course, initially, uh, in the return of Israel from captivity in Babylon, uh, there were gathered, regathered together after their 70 years of captivity. But ultimately, the fulfillment occurred on the day of Pentecost, beginning at the day of Pentecost, which began actually from the time of of Christ's death on the cross, his burial and resurrection, that began what we call the last days, okay? So many times when you read in Scripture the words last days, don't just think, uh, well, that means everything has to occur right at the very end of of time as we know it, right prior to the return of the Lord. The last days actually encompasses everything from the appearing of Christ all the way to his return, okay? And, and uh, so Peter is standing up as, as uh, at Pentecost, seven weeks after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, bystanders were questioning what was going on when they saw the all the apostles and the, the disciples of the Lord and they gathered in the upper room on the day of Pentecost, 120 of them seeking God and then they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and the Bible says they began to speak in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And, and they the people, this was noised abroad, they went out into the streets and, and all the people that were gathered there for the festival were wondering what on earth was going on because they said, we hear every man speaking in our particular language uh, giving glory to God. What's going on? And so Peter stands up and he says, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. This is Acts 2.16. Uh, verses, uh, six, Acts 2, 16 through 18. And Peter says, but this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. It'll come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy. The reason I want to put it up on the screen is I want to point out to you that Luke, when he is quoting Peter preaching to the people, actually reverses two of the lines. He juxtaposes them in the the quote from Joel. Joel says, your old men will dream dreams, your young men will see visions. Dreams comes first, visions come second. But when Peter Peter takes it and he's preaching, he actually says, first your your young men shall see visions and your old men will dream dreams. But anyways, trust me on it. And you can read it yourself. So he reverses the order. So what, what significance does this have? What does that mean? Well, simply, I think it might be indicative of something that as in Acts, the book of Acts, as Luke begins to pen the history of the early church through its first 40 years or so, that primacy, we see primacy is given to visions happening to God's people and God's leaders rather than dreams. The Old Testament more, more primacy is given to dreams and less to, so much to visions. They both occur. But in the New Testament, we see more about visions through the book of Acts than we do dreams. Anyway, just something for you to chew on just a wee bit. And uh, so then notice how many times we have visions occurring in the book of Acts. And all right. And uh, So Acts chapter nine, of course, what happens? Saul is converted on the road to Damascus. Yes, there is hope for Damascus, amen, even today and for those on the roads to it, amen. Pray for Damascus, pray for Syria. Pray that God would move, amen, by his Holy Spirit. You know, history is really his story and God is at work among the nations even though we do not perceive it, amen. And we need to be praying that the gospel would have free course, praise the Lord, in all of those nations, amen. Amen. Acts chapter 10, uh, we see Cornelius having a vision uh, of, I think it was an angel, wasn't it, uh, that appeared to him and told him, to uh, go and send for Peter. Uh, Acts chapter 10, he was a devout man, prayed continually to God. Verse three, about the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God come in and say to him, Cornelius. And he stared at him in terror and said, what is it, Lord? And he said, your prayers have been heard, so now send for Simon Peter. And then in the same chapter, uh, Peter is up on the roof of uh, Simon the Tanner and uh, and he is up there, and he's uh, falls asleep, or falls in a trance, or something. He was hungry. Um And he falls into this trance in verse 11, he saw the heavens open and something like a great sheet descending. So what happened was Peter is having this vision, and this vision is instructing him on how he is to treat uh, the way he is supposed to go to visit the, the Gentile Cornelius that God is calling him to go see. After all, Peter is kosher, so to speak, and he doesn't want to hang out with Gentiles, but God is telling him, don't. Don't be this way, you need to realize the gospel is for all nations and all peoples. and so God cuts through his his ethnic uh, provincialness and and uh, instructs Peter to go to Cornelius' household and wonderful things happen and he witnesses to them all and they all get gloriously saved. In Acts 16, we're gonna talk about this in just a little while. Uh, the apostle Paul sees a vision. In Acts 18, he sees a vision. In Acts 23, Paul sees a vision. And in Acts 27, all of these were the Lord's encouraging him to, for example, to keep on preaching in Corinth. You know, I've got many people in this city. The Lord stands beside him. Another one where Paul is facing a shipwreck. Uh, he says to them, uh, the, an angel of God whose I am and whom I serve stood before me this night and told me that uh, every, everybody's gonna be okay as long as we stay with the ship, but we are gonna run aground on a certain island. And uh, and so the Lord encourages him through these visions and God moves the church along through these visions and through these appearances of Christ and of the angels of the Lord and Peter sees a, uh, thinks he sees an angel releasing him from prison and walks out and he thinks he's having a dream but in reality it was happening to him and so these things are real, amen, and we ought to expect them in our lives, not so we can be all spooky and hyper-spiritual but believe that the Holy Spirit is actually guiding and leading his church, Amen and he will lead and guide you sometimes by dreams and visions. The Holy Spirit's interaction with us often produces dreams and visions to aid us in our understanding and our approach to what God wants in our future. Even uh, every dream, it's important to to remember that it's not given by God, as Solomon revealed when he said that some dreams come because we've been so busy-minded. Sometimes you're just having a pizza dream. However, Many dreams are given to us by God so that we can know how to pray, know what to do, and understand what will happen in the future. Yes, God will speak to you about your future. Amen. The Holy Spirit, the Bible says in John, will show you things to come. Imagine that. Well, not every dream or vision that comes to us at night. And uh, nor do visions always open spiritual understanding portals, doors into future events. Some do. However, many can barely be means be, be spiritual impressions that speak to our hearts, strengthen our faith, and lead us onward. When we receive some kind of a strong, spiritual impression, a dream of the night, or a vision we feel is connected to the future, we must always do our due diligence to make sure it bears witness with the word of God. Amen. Before using it as a cause to pursue, to go on, to move forward. Never just take everything that comes down the pipe to your brain or into your heart or even to your eyes as it being always from God. Okay? Because we can be deceived. We can be deceived by our own flesh nature, by our own desires, by the devil. We can be deceived. But if we seek the Lord, God will give us wisdom. And you need to check it out with the Bible. Amen. Make sure it lines up with God's word, his purpose, and his ways before you act. Simeon, for example. We think of Simeon as the old man who came into the temple when they brought Jesus up into the temple as a as a young young baby, and uh, Simeon is there, and he has this revelation about the Messiah. He comes into the temple and he speaks over Jesus a passage from this what we call the Servant's Song in Isaiah. But this prophetic word that he spoke over Jesus in confirmation to Mary and also uh, you know de- declaring the will of God in a very active manner over the life of the Son of God, it didn't just come out of anywhere. This wasn't just some off-the-cuff ecstatic speech that he just made up along the way. No, this came because he was meditating in the word of God day and night, and he was familiar with the scriptures, and he was looking for the move of God, and he was looking for the Messiah, and when he when the Messiah came, he recognized him, and he was able to deliver this wonderful word because he'd been meditating on the word of God. It came and flowed out of his heart. Amen. Amen. So you see, a lot of times what we feel in terms of vision and dreams and direction from God, it's got to also connect with the word of God that you know in your heart of hearts and that has been taught to you by faithful people. Amen. Visions, dreams, and revelation can be for just your benefit. For example, Paul speaks of his being caught up to the third heaven, 2 Corinthians 12. And as he's caught up to the third heaven or paradise, the church and the believers would probably only indirectly benefit from his experience because he was not even able to articulate it and he was not even permitted to talk about it. And it left him, uh, you know, hurting because he had a thorn in his flesh. There are many potential uh things that could be his thorn in the flesh. I happen to think it was consistent persecution, but that's just my opinion. But nonetheless, Paul, even though he had this mountaintop paradise experience with God, he was unable to talk about it to other people. It was sort of like just between him and the Lord, wasn't it? So sometimes God speaks to you about things, but it's not for you to deliver to every Tom, Dick, and Harry that comes down the road, right? It's between you and the Lord, and you just, as Mary did, ponder these things in your heart. She was impregnated with the word of God, and yet there was a period where she had to brood over it, think about it, pray about it, figure out it what the word was, and then receive, be open to confirmation coming from other people that were godly. Amen. Visions, dreams, and revelation can be for both your personal and for the benefit of others. For example, the Lord's encouragement to Paul in Corinth to keep on preaching despite ongoing resistance and potential harm for persecution. Paul got encouragement to keep on preaching. Come on, Keep on preaching, Paul. I have many people in this city. And so Paul received that encouragement and it blessed the church of God and it blessed others who would hear the gospel and be born again as a result. Amen. And also visions and dreams are often given in the context of evangelism. Fulfilling the command to preach the gospel and make disciples of all nations. For example, in Acts 16... After Paul shared his vision, you remember they tried to go into Bithynia and they tried to go into the province of Asia, but they couldn't. So they go down to Troas. When they're at Troas on the coast, this is all taking place about in modern Turkey. Uh, then, then he's at a place where they don't haven't they have, they've tried a couple areas, but they don't know exactly where to go. And then God speaks to him in a vision, and he sees a man over in Macedonia, basically northern Greece and say, come over to Macedonia and help us. So he shares it with his missionary team. Okay, he didn't just say, come on, we're going, God spoke to me. He shared the vision with his missionary team, and the Bible says they together gathered that this was the will of God and that the Lord was sending them to preach the gospel in Macedonia. So then after they, they, they decide this, you know what? They have to get on a ship. They sail for a day, they 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 get off the ship on Samothrace, another island they spend overnight there. They get on a, on the ship. They, they finally make it to, what is it, Neapolis or something like that. And then after they get off the ship on the coast, they have to walk another 10 miles just to get the Philippi. When they finally get the Philippi, then on the Sabbath day, they have to go and figure out where there are some potential people gathering together that they can witness to, to share the gospel with. So, here's the lesson inherent in that. Sometimes when God gives you a vision, a dream, a purpose, a calling, it does not mean that you're not going to have to work towards the fulfillment of that amen it means you might have to pack up and go somewhere spend some time some energy and some money to get to the place where God wants to send you amen so just having a vision is not the end it is the beginning amen and you have to realize that. So a vision in itself is not the goal. Oh, you should have seen. I want to tell you what God spoke to me, what God shared with me, what God said to me, how he appeared to me. And, and we get all puffed up with all these visions of heavenly things that we think we're being super spiritual. But until you come down the mountain and start walking with the Lord to see the fulfillment of the vision, then you're not doing anybody any good. All you are is a super spiritual christian in appearance without any substance excuse me for preaching i'm supposed to teach but but i get excited anyway yes anyway so yeah i lost my train of thought i got so excited anyway so sometimes then after you've had a dream or a vision god has to make things clear to you Philippians 3.15, let those of us who are mature think this way, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. What a great scripture. Philippians 3.15, you need to think about that. In other words, sometimes God has to make it clear. Now, here's another example. You say, well, I've had a revelation. You know, Peter had a revelation. He's talking to Jesus. Jesus Jesus, talking to his disciples. Who do you uh, who, do, who do you say the Son of Man is? Da, 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 da. Peter comes up, he says, well, we believe you are the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Peter commands him, says, well, flesh, you know, that's awesome, Peter. Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, because flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Now, have you ever thought through the fact that Peter had a revelation of who Jesus was given to him from the Father, but he didn't even perceive it. He didn't perceive it. He said the truth, but he didn't perceive that God had spoken to him that revelation. Jesus had to tell Peter, oh yeah. You know, I could see Peter's reaction like, oh yeah, I guess that's what happened. Sometimes you'll get revelation and you won't even know it until some point later, Somebody else or the Lord by the Spirit will bring it out to you. Amen? Or the Word of God. All right. Two quick examples of visions, and I've got to hurry. Uh, Acts 9 a vision doesn't make you or give you everything. Okay? Uh, And here's the illustration. Here's Saul breathing out threatenings. He's on the way to Damascus to imprison Christians there. And God meets him on the road. The Lord appears to him. And he is marvelously saved and called by the Lord. And guess what happened? He's left blind. And he he's bewildered. He doesn't know where to go. And he spends three days fasting in another building while he's in, when he finally arrives in Damascus. And he's waiting on a disciple to come to him. And 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 Ananias has to come and give him understanding of what happened. He has to contextualize for him what happened to him. He has to give him scripture. He has to heal him. He has to uh, baptize him. He has to pray for him to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And he lays his hands on him. Now listen, some would say, well, I've had a vision from God. Bless God, I don't need anything. I don't need anybody. God spoke to me. Listen, you need other disciples who are already on the road before you. Amen. And you need somebody to come alongside of you and help you understand the scripture, contextualize what happened, give you you a direction on on your vision, your purpose, your calling, your dream, and lay hands on you and impart to you something you don't have. Because sometimes uh, an encounter with Jesus will leave you needing more. It won't just make you Superman. Amen? It leaves you in need, and so God sent somebody to help fill the need. And then later on, 12 to 14 years later, Barnabas, wonderful man that he was, goes and finds Paul. He actually, Barnabas has to travel a 100 miles 12 to 14 years later to go find Saul, Paul, and bring him back to Antioch so that Antioch can become Paul's center missionary sending church. Barnabas had to make an effort, and in fact, the Greek word that it uses where Barnabas went to seek him, it's like he had to go track him down. So he had to go a 100 miles to go to where Paul was, and then look through this city and find him, and then convince him to come back to Antioch and start a different ministry in a different locale, and then God was blessing that church, and eventually he was sent out as a missionary. But it wouldn't have happened had not Barnabas... Ben Barnabas, and gone and helped him. Something to think about. So what I'm trying to say with that is dreams and visions. You know, I was gonna show you these cool maps. You can throw them up there real quick, Jessica, if you want to. Just these maps, and this kind of shows you, you know, where, this is Paul's second missionary journey, incidentally, and so he starts off, you know, uh, actually at Antioch right there, goes through here, and they try to go up into here, tried to go up into here, and they eventually worked their way across, tried to go into Bithynia, and they couldn't. And by the way, Mysia and Bithynia were evangelized because later on the apostle Peter, uh, in 1 Peter chapter one, verse one, writes a letter to the Christians that are in these areas. So they've been evangelized, and so then they come to Troas, then they gotta get on a boat, spend the night at Samothrace, go over to Neapolis, walk the 10 miles to Philippi and start the church there. And then after they've been in Philippi for a while, then they make this huge, long journey all the way across the ancient world and end up back at Caesarea. And then finally, inevitably, go to Palestine. Then they work their way back up to Antioch. That's quite a journey in the ancient world, isn't it? You know, sometimes God's vision will require you to go a long ways. And it'll cost you time, energy, and money to do the will of God. Amen. Amen. I had a couple other cool things to show you there, but we don't have time. So just to recap some important points here. You get Anything out of this yet? Okay. Here's the important points for tonight. God is a spirit and he interacts with us on a spiritual plane. Amen. Secondly, God knows the future and often desires to make us aware of it. It doesn't have to be always a mystery. God can't speak to you, through you or through other individuals to you and through the word of God and through dreams and visions. Dreams and visions are the language of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit will never violate the word of God, amen. Keep that in mind. If it, if it doesn't line up with the Bible, then your vision's not from God, okay? And, and, and realize God doesn't give you a vision just to make you feel all awesomely spiritual. God gives you a vision more often in line with his purposes of preaching the gospel to all the nations. And then lastly, ask God to speak to you about the future and what you should pray and do to accomplish his will. Amen. What you should pray and do to accomplish his will. Amen.